You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 37. I'm John Stolnes from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. We've got a lot to get to here on episode number 37. We're going to talk about Joe Flacco, as they say in Baltimore, uh, going to a, in a trade going to Denver and uh, what that might mean for the Nick Foles market. We'll look at uh, a potential Eagles draft target that uh, unfortunately had a serious medical setback and wonder whether or not it's still worth the Eagles taking him maybe even just a little bit later than that. We'll look at Golden Tate versus Nelson Aguilar. We'll look at some possible Eagles cap casualties and the Eagles possibly playing on Thanksgiving again this coming year. Uh, We'll get into all that here in just a couple minutes with the man behind BleedingGreenNation.com, the man, the myth, the legend, may he reign forever, Brandon Lee Gowton joins me once again. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Galton, BLG. We are in the dead time right now, my friend. How are you making through it? John, you're not wrong. And it's funny because the NFL is very rarely in a dead period. Uh, we usually have that most infamous dead period in between where you know the OTAs and the mini camps wrap up in June and then training camp begins in late July. That's usually the, the biggest period of inactivity. But There's also this period that we have right now going on before the combine and before free agency and everything and after the season ends. That's pretty dead as well. And it's almost easy to forget that, especially, you know, last year since we were just so hyped up on the Super Bowl for pretty much the entire offseason. But Mm -hmm. now we're getting this little rest. Despite that, we still have a decent amount of things to talk about. Yeah, what's nice about this particular dead period is there's still a lot of stuff in front of us, BLG. There's free agency and there's the draft, and I know Kist and Solak are getting into the draft, and we'll start talking about draft stuff too here over these next few weeks. But uh, obviously the Eagles have a lot of decisions to make with the guys already on their roster, and free agency has yet to begin. And so the possibility of bringing in new talent is always something exciting to talk about. So at least you can we can preview that kind of stuff, and we're going to do a little bit of that on the podcast here today but uh the first thing we're going to get into here is uh once again we're going to lead off the podcast with little nick Foles, and specifically how it relates to the joe flacco trade uh where baltimore traded their longtime veteran quarterback joe flacco for a fourth round draft pick uh to the ball to the uh, denver broncos john elway once again Man, he's trying to he's really trying to thread that quarterback needle and I still don't know what he's doing. <laughs> PLG, I you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I know Joe Flacco is a a popular name. I know that he's won a Super Bowl. He had that great postseason run. He was a Super Bowl MVP. But as I look at his some of his numbers, man, he has not been a good quarterback for like the last half decade and really he's been kind of a middling quarterback his whole career. I don't see how this makes the Denver Broncos a whole lot better. How much better is he than Case Keenum? Well, first of all, John, I, I feel like you said Joe Flacco there with the South Philly accent, which I really liked in the moment. You were like, uh, Joe Flacco. Joe um, Flacco. So. It's also Baltimore. Baltimore does it a little bit like that <laughs> oh, as well. Baltimore. Yeah. 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 yeah Baltimore, Baltimore, not Baltimore, of course. No, it's um, Baltimore. Yeah. Baltimore. Baltimore. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> but as for your question. Like, what are the Broncos doing? What is John Elway doing? I mean, it shouldn't be surprising because it's pretty clear he's not a very good executive, especially when you look back at his drafting. Not the greatest you know, record Paxton here. Paxton Lynch. So, yeah, not, <laughs> not, not, not awesome. Um, yeah, especially when you talk about you know the investments in quarterback. I mean, you give Case Keenum his contract last year, and you even say like that he's your guy. You know, like, this yeah. is our answer. Like he did, and all of a sudden you're moving on from him. Like, okay. Um, not that to say that they should move on from Case Keenum, but it's just kind of funny how you know now they're going to say Joe Flacco is their guy, and I'm sure he's that's not going to last very long. I mean, look, 
Joe Flacco gets hurt too. Like, you know, for all the things you mentioned there, like that's, that's another one you can add to the discussion. So yeah, I don't know what they're doing. They're just desperate. And that's, that's what it comes down to every off season. We see teams do dumb and desperate things for quarterbacks. And that's what the Broncos just did by giving up a fourth round selection for a guy who has just been statistically horrible. I mean, yes, he has the Super Bowl MVP, the crazy thing about Joe Flacco is for as bad as he's been in the regular season, you know, it is almost a little bit Nick Folesian. Like when he was on the playoff run, I mean, he was freaking red hot. Like he was unbelievable. He was, he's the last <laughs> quarterback to go into new England and beat the Patriots at their place in the playoffs. Like think about that. That's, that's kind of crazy. Now, again, that should not be your reasoning for trading for Joe Flacco because that's forever ago now too. It's interesting, right? It's interesting that you can have like Nick Foles out there, and the things that he's done, and you can have Joe Flacco out there, and for whatever reason, you know, the Broncos just decided that Flacco was the better option. Now, you know, it's different contract-wise because, you know, you trade for Joe Flacco now on the deal he's on, and now they can cut him at any point pretty much, you know, uh, beyond this year, you know, because they're going to keep him for this year. But there's no guaranteed money left in this deal. You know, traded for Nick Foles, you'd have to pay him, first of all, more than Flacco would make this year. And you're likely committing to him beyond this year, not necessarily because he maybe you trade him from the tag or whatever. But you know you would Foles is probably going, there's going to be pressure on his end for a long term extension, I would think. And I'm sure if you're giving up a pick, you would want to keep him there beyond this year. So I don't know if this news really has a ton of impact on the Eagles situation. I mean, you can look at it kind of you know on both sides. You can say okay, now there's one a fewer team out there with a need for quarterback. So you can look at it from that way. You can also look at yeah. it from Nick's, Nick Foles' side and say, like, it's kind of bad news for him because he, I would think Denver and Mike Garofalo had even mentioned that, like, Denver is probably a place that kind of appealed to him somewhat just because they're one of the more, I guess, ready-to-win teams out there because of their defense. Their head coach now, Vic Fangio, like, you know they're going to have a good defense, and that's probably yeah. what you would want, you know, if you're, you're going in with Nick Foles. So there's some different angles to it. I don't really think it changes a ton. It just kind of takes one more uh, suitor off the board for Nick Foles, which in theory, maybe that increases the competition for him. I don't know. So yeah, I don't think it changes a ton, but it's just kind of a little interesting wrinkle to the offseason and it kind of just takes one more landing spot off the board. Yeah, and it could potentially take a second landing spot off the board as well because it's expected that, well, the Broncos have to release Case Keenum now or trade Case Keenum because they can't afford paying these two guys having that much money go to two middling quarterbacks. And so Case Keenum's going to be available, uh, most likely cut, and uh, a lot of rumors here in Washington. You know, that's where I live, and Mm. um, I I was listening to 106.7 The Fan the other day talking about it, and there's a lot of... A lot of scuttlebutt about the Redskins making a, a push for a, like a one-year, $10 million deal for Keenum uh, to just kind of be a placeholder until Alex Smith can come back in 2020. And not, mm-hmm. I know saying that sentence out loud makes me giggle because that's no solution to your quarterback problem. Uh, but it's at least not giving a multi-year deal to Nick Foles when you already have Alex Smith signed for a number of years. And they're obviously still holding out hope that Alex Smith will be able to come back in 2020. So I don't know that the Redskins were ever really a viable spot, even though they have a need at quarterback for Nick Foles. But um, it certainly now, I think, wipes them out. I, I think they will end up getting Case Keenum. And so... Um, you're looking at uh, a couple other landing spots now here, BLG, and I I saw earlier this week that there have been a couple reports that there could be some mutual interest between a team that we had talked a little bit about before and kind of poo-pooed a little bit. The Jacksonville Jaguars saying to have some interest in Nick Foles, and um, the report indicating also that Foles might have some interest in Jacksonville. I can kind of understand it from, from both sides, although... You know, as uh, you know, as as Ben Solak mentioned on a, a previous podcast, you know, John DiFilippo now in in Jacksonville is more known for working with younger quarterbacks, for bringing in young names and 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 building those guys up. He he really made you know helped turn Carson Wentz in, into having a, a, an MVP type season in 2017. But maybe there isn't a guy in the draft they like enough to do that. So, do you think that this could be a match here? And maybe there's kind of you look at it from like the Doug Marone angle, where he kind of just wants a guy who can help him win right now. You know what I mean? Because he yeah. 
he's feeling a little bit of pressure after a disappointing season that they just went through. So yeah, and the um, defense is ready to win right now too. There. Exactly. Yeah. So I think there could be some of that. There could just be some of that kind of win now pressure. Not really so interested in a quarterback class that really, you know, from all indications, isn't really that enticing anyway. And you know, you look at where the Jaguars are. I mean, the, the Giants are still ahead of them in the draft. Someone else could potentially move ahead of them. So they're not necessarily going to get their pick of the quarterbacks either. And maybe, honestly, I mean, if you look at what the Eagles have done in the past years with investing a lot of resources in the quarterback position, why not do both? Why not sign Nick Foles and draft someone at some point and kind of just throw a ton of assets and resources at the position and just hope it works out? Because, again, that's what the Eagles did, and it's been working out for them. So that's something to think about. Yeah, it, it kind of just does feel... I guess, like at this point, that Jacksonville is the place. I mean, we're hearing everyone talk about it now. You're you're seeing that Mike Garofalo is saying that um, you know, there's mutual interest, and you're seeing Jay Glazer of the Athletic, who's usually really plugged in, saying that he wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if the Jaguars went after Nick Foles. You're hearing Jason Lacanfora saying that Foles, quote unquote, remains the most obvious candidate to become the starter in Jacksonville. So you're seeing a lot of buzz there, and obviously. We've talked about the ESPN reports this offseason that the Eagles prefer to send Nick Foles to Jacksonville, keep him out of the NFC East. Uh, So it kind of just feels like there's a lot of smoke there and maybe it's much ado about nothing, but I don't think so. I just I don't think Nick Foles wants to sign in Washington. You you just look at the whole situation there, even if you are ignoring the blatantly obvious, obvious dysfunction, which I don't know how you can do. Um, you, you talked about it. Like Alex Smith is potentially coming back, you know, after this year. We don't know, but at least yeah. in theory. So I don't know if he wants to go there. Uh, the Giants, I, again, we've talked about it. I'll believe they're moving on from Eli when I see it. And you <laughs> right. talked about Keenum to Washington. There's been speculation that um, the Giants might pick him up, you know, because of the yeah. you know, Pat Shermer connection. So we'll see about that one. The Dolphins. I remember we, we were just talking a couple of weeks ago, John, and you kind of I forgot about them. I, I forgot yeah. about them as a destination. And it, it looks like they're moving on from Tannehill. So in theory, there's going to be an opening there. But from all the indications by like uh, Miami beat writers, even Garofalo was saying that like he doesn't think the Dolphins are really in on Nick Foles. It almost seems like they're like committed to kind of like tanking this year in 2019. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like they're looking for that stopgap fix there. So not exactly sure Nick Foles, you know, they're hot for Nick Foles either. So that really only leaves the Jaguars almost. It's really interesting to me how, what if there's just no big market for Nick Foles for the second? Like, I, I know you've downplayed it before, John, and maybe rightfully so, but I'm, I almost like, I can't rule out the retirement uh, entirely because what if there's just like nowhere he really wants to go? And it doesn't seem like there's a ton of options. I, I just don't know. And I don't think the Eagles are bringing him back. So it's just kind of a, it's an interesting market for him, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Do you think then, I mean, you, if the, if there really isn't much of a, a market on the, if he were to become a free agent, do you think it's starting to look a little bit more likely now that they they, they might try to franchise him and trade him to Jacksonville? Because as we've talked about, they would almost have to have something lined up, and it would have to be some compensation that's better than uh, the pick that they would get um, at the end of what we think is going to be the third round uh, next year if, if yeah. he gets the kind of free agent contract it, it looks like he could get. Baltimore got a fourth rounder for Joe Flacco. I think most people agree Nick Foles is a is a better quarterback, and he's had more success recently uh, than than Joe Flacco. But could you know the the the, the pick we've been hearing is a third round pick? Does that mm-hmm. still sound right to you? I mean, it has to be, right? I mean, the Eagles aren't going to do it if it's a fourth because they could just potentially get the third with the compensatory pick. It has to be. It I has just to be want, I wonder if it could be a second, though, is my question, because how, mm. how much of a gap is there between Flacco and Foles at this point? Yeah, that's a good point. I just don't think the Eagles have the leverage there, I guess I would yeah. say, right? Yeah. You know, they don't have – teams will be like, okay, we're just not going to trade for him then. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I, I think that's at the point where – um, the Eagles are kind of overplaying their hand. I think that the third, and I think, you know, they're the ones who I'm sure put the third, that whole report about them wanting a third out there because they want yeah. teams to come calling uh, and asking for that price because it's they think it's reasonable. And it is. That's pretty much where the reasonable price for Nick Foles is. It is it's kind of, um, it's the perfect situation for them, really, in terms of what's realistic. I mean, you would love to get a first or a second, sure. But in terms of where your leverage is, and what you can realistically hope to get from him. We talked about it 
last week or these past weeks here where you know you get that third yeah it's not all that different from a third round compensatory pick next year but i mean it's a little different you know you you have it one year earlier it's not right at the bottom of the uh the third round i mean it's closer to that because the jaguars have two third round picks and one of them is the rams pick obviously we know the rams went pretty far into the season right so it's going to be late in the third round but it's still it would be earlier than the compensatory pick would be so we'll see i i still think last week i believe i said like an 18 percent chance he gets traded i just think you know the complications surrounding everything makes me think it's just it's still not the likely option but it still seems like there's some kind of hope for it to happen well, again, we'll see it how it shakes out here over the next few weeks, but uh, there'll be no shortage of speculation on our parts as more rumors come down the rumor mill. Sometimes I feel like I'm back in the MLB hot stove when we're talking about Nick Foles, <laughs> Nick Foles here, BLG, because, man, the rumors are coming fast and furious with, with Foles. He's definitely, at this point now, the number one quarterback target on the market. But again, like you said, how many teams are interested in signing him uh, to a long-term deal, given the fact he is about 30 years old, and uh, who knows how much more time he has left in front of him. All right. Um, one other piece of news uh, that, that came out uh, regarding a name that has been connected to the Eagles in the draft is Mississippi State defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons, who, if you listen to uh, one of the most recent Kist and Solak shows, they both mocked him to the Eagles at number 25. Well, Simmons has suffered a torn ACL and will now likely miss the ent entire 2019 season, BLG. And we know that the Eagles a couple years ago drafted Sidney Jones when a similar thing happened to him when he tore his Achilles in uh, a pre-draft workout and he missed all of the 2017 season. Uh, they took him in the second round as opposed to taking it. He, he probably was going to go in the first round somewhere. And um, the Eagles took a chance, decided to redshirt him for a year while he got healthy, and then came back this year and missed some time this year too, BLG, and what was not terribly effective when he was when he was in there for much of 2018, uh, 2018. So still way too early to close the book on Sidney Jones. I'm not saying that at all, but we see that the Eagles have done this in the past. And I guess the question is, if they can get Jeffrey Simmons in the second round because of the injury, do you think that they would do something similar to what they did two years ago? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely fair to ask, right? You know, you do this Sidney Jones thing where you make this long-term commitment. Um, so there's some thought that they could, and Jeffrey Simmons is certainly, I think, the player that you would potentially like to take that risk on, given his talent. Uh, here's the case against it. Leading up to the 2017 NFL draft, before the Eagles even drafted Sidney Jones, there was kind of talk around BGN, and, and Dave Mangles did a piece on it, about how historically the medical redshirt draft pick where, you, you know, you take an injured guy and you sit him for a year and he comes back has not panned out very well. And now it's worked out better with Jalen Smith. But at the time uh, when this post was written in 2017, like that took some time for him. You go back to Ifo Ekpre Olamu, who was from Oregon uh, in 2015. I remember like there was buzz back then that, he could be like a first round guy or at least at least a first or day one or day two guy. And he ended up going in the seventh round and he never really turned into anything. Um, you go back even further. You look at like guys that you probably don't even recognize their name. Brandon Thomas, uh, Keith Reeser, Trey Miller. Like these were some guys who were highly thought of. And again, pretty much nothing. Uh, you go back even further. Tank Carradine on the 49ers and Marcus Lattimore, who everyone loved at running back. A lot of these guys were highly thought of, you know, coming into the draft and like teams took a chance on them and they probably got a lot of credit on draft day. Like, oh, man, you yeah. know, and, and the 49ers specifically, because at the time they had like a loaded roster and then they were taking these guys who were hurt later on in the draft, really talented. And everyone's like, oh, man, they're going to be stacked forever. And those guys ended up being nothing. So when you look at the history of that kind of pick, it doesn't always work out like you think it is. Like they just they spend a year hurt and they come back fine and. The Eagles are obviously seeing that with Sidney Jones. I mean, Sidney Jones has only played, I think, in something like 28% of possible games for the Eagles so far. So not great. That's definitely a red flag there. It's really a shame that Simmons got hurt. I mean, obviously for him, because that changes a lot for him. You know, he could have been a yeah. first-round pick, and now he's just he's just not going to be probably. So devastating for him and just bad for the Eagles too because he would have been a great option if he made it there. I don't even think he would have made it there to, to 25, to be honest with you. But mm – -hmm. You know, having him there in the draft still would have pushed someone else down to 25 that the Eagles potentially could have taken and potentially another defensive tackle, which is a big need. And that's what kind of brings me back to drafting him and kind of stashing him the best move. I mean, I don't hate it depending, you know, where you're at. 
maybe it's uh, the third round. I don't know what the right value is right there for him, but the Eagles need help at defensive tackle kind of immediately. You know, like that's that's yeah. something they have to focus on too. Like they don't they don't have the luxury of just like stashing a guy like that. Like they still have to make moves that help that position some right away, and it doesn't have to be necessarily drafting a guy in the first round. And it's not like they solely have to rely on a rookie. They can find a way to bring back Timmy Jernigan. They could find a way to maybe find a stopgap guy in free agency. But they want to add someone there who can help out now. And I just think, you know, you're, if you're adding Simmons, you still need win-now kind of moves at that position still. So that's kind of the dilemma they have there. Yeah, I, I think for me it's more of that, BLG. They they do need help right away. They they I don't like the idea of stashing a guy at this point because they have holes to fill. This is not a team that can afford to just – throw away a second round pick on somebody who's not going to play next year. They they have to get guys early in the draft, this these day one and early day two picks. They they've got to get guys who can step up and step in and play right away. And I, I don't want a guy, even though that you have two second round picks this year, I, I don't want to waste one of them. I want I want to get three starters out of the first two rounds of this of this draft. And maybe that's asking too much, but you know, your first and second round picks are guys you should expect to work their way into the starting lineup, depending on the position, pretty quickly. And so, you know, I know that there's other potential defensive linemen that they could take there. Defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence from Clemson has been mocked to the Eagles quite a bit in that spot. There's that edge rusher Montez Sweat from Mississippi State that I know I've heard Kisten Solak are not too high on, but mm. um, the, those guys know the draft a little bit better than I do. And when I say a little bit, I mean by like, you know, miles and miles, but... Um, <laughs> So, so let, I mean, they'll break it all down here in an upcoming Kist and Solak. But from from where I sit, I, I certainly wouldn't redshirt anybody at this point because this team needs an infusion of young players, especially along that defensive line. You don't know what's going to happen with Brandon Graham. You don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we're pretty sure Chris Long is coming back. You know, I mean, I think we're pretty sure Hopefully. Michael Bennett is coming back. We're going to get into some of this stuff here and in a couple of minutes, but you know, Derek Barnett is really one of your, and Josh Sweat are your two young guys on that defensive line. It would be great to add some more youth to that unit, BLG. Yeah. And even, you know, looking at the projections and I know Solak had kind of even mentioned, he was talking about the defensive end outlook and he kind of mentioned Josh Sweat as like one of your top four defensive ends. I mean, like, I mean, honestly, I don't think you can Does just, that do a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You can't really pen that in right now, Ben. <laughs> I got him to take You said Ben, um, just yeah. <laughs> you can't. You can't though. I mean, like that guy, Josh Sweat hasn't proven really that he's been able to stay fully healthy. The coaching staff really didn't even trust him last year. He was a rookie, so I get it. But I'm just saying, like, you can't just count on him as a sure thing. I mean, he's. He, you, you hope that he can develop more. There's reasonable hope for that, but it's just you know they they need some proven guys at that position. I think they. And it's, look, it's a position that they're not going to spend lightly on, whether that is draft capital or cap space or whatever. Like We know defensive end is going to be, in pass return, is going to be a premium um, position for this team. So, uh, again, it stinks that you, you Simmons is going to be out, and that kind of gives you one less option there for the defensive line. Thankfully, the class is so good that you're still probably going to get someone good at some point, uh, hopefully figure that out, but definitely a bummer. All right, when we come back, BLG, we're going to get into this uh, Golden Tate stuff that uh, popped up earlier this week, and um, we'll take a look at some potential Eagles cap casualties and uh, talk about another Eagles Thanksgiving Day game coming up here in 2019. Uh, We'll get into all that coming up here in just a second on BGN Radio. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back with more BGN Radio. BLG, um... Golden Tate this week, you know, he he tweeted something that at first I didn't really understand exactly what it is he was trying to say. But as I started to gauge the reaction of it online, it seems to me that uh, a tweet that he sent out indicated that the Eagles were not speaking to him about um, about a contract at this point. Um, right now, you're not allowed to talk to free agents, but you are allowed to negotiate with players on the current team. And Golden Tate seemed to indicate, Brandon, that it, it's not happening at the moment, that uh, the Eagles are not engaging with him in conversation. And I guess that's really not 
a big surprise, but uh, what was your read on Golden Tate this week and uh, his future with the Eagles here? Kind of a weird decision by him, I guess, right? To be like, oh, man. Is he burning a bridge? Not... You know, that's yeah, like, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> like, hey, did you guys forget about me? Like, basically, like, right. something like that. It's, yeah, it shouldn't be surprising. I mean, I've said all along that I've just felt like there hasn't been a strong chance that they're going to bring him back. Uh, he's going to be 30 years old. He's arguably the top wide receiver, free agent receiver on the market. That's um, crazy. Yeah. So, like, and I was looking at his contract projection from SpotRack. I uh, did a post on this on Bleeding Green Nation on Thursday. And his projected contract is three years at just over $30 million, an, an average or an annual value, I should say, of $10.2 million per year there. Um, 22nd, that would rank 22nd out of all wide receivers. I just, do you really see the Eagles paying him that much money after? You know, him being here for half a year and just things not really going all that great and him turning 31 this season. Like, it just, I don't see it. I don't really see how that's going to make sense there. Um, I don't think they're of a sunk cost mindset and feel like they just have to pay him, you know, because they gave up a third round pick for him. That's, I don't think they're going to necessarily like double down on that mistake. Although I have said that it's weird how Howie Roseman kind of really justified that trade when the season ended. He really stuck, stuck up for it in a kind of, very um like very bold way i would say um more than you would expect so mm-hmm. i would say there's maybe i don't know like five percent chance he resigns but i just don't think it's very high uh, i think the eagles are going to keep nelson Aguilar instead mm-hmm. and i guess that's kind of what it comes down to here when you're looking at the two of them and getting into him a little bit here i don't think it's as simple as you just keep nelson Aguilar at his 9.4 million cap number that he's currently set to make which is not guaranteed at all as of right now because it's a 50-year yeah. option and there's no guarantee except for injury and he's not hurt so it's not guaranteed but it will guarantee when the new season the new league year begins here in march so they're gonna have to do something with him i kind of maybe <clears throat> the, the eagles kind of just don't want to tell everyone uh, so I'm sure the Eagles don't love Golden Tate tweeting this because they might want to make it seem like they are still talking to Golden Tate because that gives them more yeah. leverage in talking to Nelson Aguilar and being like, hey, uh, we're still talking to Golden Tate too. So, you, you know, you better take our deal. And right. I, I just think, you know, I did that post you mentioned, John, about like the cap casualties. And I just I don't see how the Eagles bring back Nelson Aguilar on that number. I think he's going to be back with the team or at least think it's very likely. So I'm not saying, you know, there's moving on from him entirely, but I just don't see how you keep him at that number. Again, he he wasn't terrible last year. Like his numbers were actually a little bit similar to what they were in 2017, but the touchdowns were down. The efficiency was down. Um, so it wasn't like he was quite as impactful. And just the eye test tells you that too. You know, like he wasn't 2017 now Snagalore last year. He just wasn't. And that kind of scares me a little bit just because, you know, he had those two bad really first years. So like, what are you really paying Nelson Aguilar for? If you're signing him to an extension, are you paying him for that one good year? He, he really good year he had in 2017. Um, so that kind of scares me a little bit, but so I feel like, you know, if you, you can't, overpay to keep Nelson Aguilar like that shouldn't be a thing like you shouldn't be like you know we we had to keep him and we had to overpay him like if you're extending Nelson Aguilar it should be at a deal that's pretty fair for both sides like you look at it and you're like oh okay that's actually pretty fair it shouldn't be like oh man we we paid Aguilar too much if if that happens I feel like that's a mistake so kind of a something the Eagles have to figure out here with their whole slot receiver situation do you think there's a possibility they could get rid of Aguilar and Tate and go after somebody like John Brown mm. in free agency, somebody with some speed who you could put in the slot and stretch the field. I mean, that's kind of depending on Mike Wallace to come back and actually, you know, make a catch next year for the team. But, <laughs> you know, I think, you know, if, if they don't want to give Aguilar that money and we'll talk about the cap hit and, and Aguilar in more detail coming up in just a second, but I wonder if, Maybe you don't let both guys go and and bring in somebody from the outside like John Brown or somebody like Antonio Brown, BLG. I know you've got (laughs) thoughts on AB. Yeah, we can we can uh, have a very long segment about Antonio Brown. Like I saw, like the radio is talking about now. I guess that's how you know it's a slow time when we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, don't even. It's not even feasible. Like. And it's not even on the the board when you look at the odds, like Antonio Brown next team odds. Like the Eagles aren't even on the board. It's not happening, guys. Like we can shut yeah. that down. 
pretty quickly. <laughs> they're not they're not spending major cap space on a guy who clearly, you know, there there's like some locker room and some and then there's some off the field issues with him that have popped up this season too. Like they're just, you know, I don't see that. And as far as, you know, getting rid of both Aguilar and Tate, I just don't see that either. I think it's I just think that's tough. And I think there there is some value to be had with Aguilar and extension. I, I feel like you know you can come to the table being like, look, you know, you had that good year in 2017, but you've also had some down year. So, you know, this has to be a deal that kind of works out for both sides. Um uh I think I don't think they now I, I do think John Brown makes sense for them, and that's someone mm-hmm. I did mention when I talked about my uh, what the Eagles should do at wide receiver post on Bleeding Green Nation. I think, you know, that's a guy who was really impressive, especially at the beginning of last year, um, and offers that vertical threat that they really need to find at some point. I don't know if the money works for them because he's probably not going to be cheap, but I don't know exactly. I don't know what exactly his market's going to be like there. But, um, yeah, so I think – I just think it is going to be one of Aguilar, Tate – and I, and I don't think it's going to be Tate. I do think it's going to be Nelson. And I guess that's just how it's going to go. Well, let's take a look at some of the cap casualties that you wrote about for BGN. And, um, you know, we'll start off with Aguilar since we were since we were just talking about him. If he's cut or traded, uh, the team would save $9.387 million with zero yes. dead money there. So, again, that's not a little bit of money. And we've, we've talked about Aguilar. So we'll jump over to a couple other guys here. Nick Foles, obviously. Um, the option uh, was voided. That's $18.8 million saved, $2.8 mm-hmm. million in dead money. Uh, let's talk a little about Tim Jernigan. Uh, if he's cut or traded, the team is going to make uh, $11 million. But as we just mentioned a moment ago, BLG, this team needs depth along the defensive line. It can't be Fletcher Cox and then a bunch of other guys. And Timmy Jernigan missed most of last year, but he did come back and he did play and he had moments where he was effective, but he was not the same player that he was in his first half season with the Eagles in 2017. And I think it's fair to wonder if that guy is gone forever. And so if you could save $11 million from Tim Jernigan, my thinking is that if they had depth there, they'd probably do that. But I don't know that they have the depth to be able to let him go right now. What say you? Uh, one more thing I wanted to add on Aguilar is that if you do cut him, you're not getting a compensatory pick for him. You know, if he signs elsewhere in free agency, so that that's kind of you know another factor to consider there. Now, as for and that goes for any of these guys that you cut, you never you know you don't get comp picks for guys that you cut and then they sign elsewhere. On the flip side, that's also what makes signing guys who get cut by other teams appealing because they don't count towards your compensatory pick formula either. So if some guy gets cut. And then you sign him, you don't have to worry about it counting against you. So that's the appeal there. Now with Jernigan, there's no way he is back on his current deal because um, as of last year, you know, the report was that it was actually reworked to where there's no more guaranteed money in the contract. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think you know you're paying Timmy Jernigan eleven million dollar salary in 2019 where he only played 45 snaps last season. I just I just don't see that happening. Um, it always seemed like from the the jump once that deal was negotiated last year and there was no guaranteed money that it was always going to end with, you know, the two sides splitting ways, or at least that deal being split up this off season. And to me, I, I just feel like the Eagles have some leverage here because what's Jernigan going to do if they cut him? Like, he's just going to go into free agency and test the market. Like what market's he going to have? Again, he only played yeah. 45 snaps last, last season. He's coming off like a very, significant back injury i think he even admitted it could have been like a career ending injury so i just don't see a team in free agency like jumping to pay him a ton of money especially when you have this draft class that is going to have a lot of talent at defensive tackle and even the free agent market there's a lot of defensive line talent as well so i just don't really think it's the best move for him to kind of just be like okay you know uh i'm just going to go into free agency and see what i can get I, i think that would be a bad decision by him so I think the move that makes sense for both sides is they kind of agree on some kind of really like major pay cut here and they almost sign them to like a prove it deal because that way the Eagles get one at least one more year of Jernigan at potentially a discount too and that would be nice on their side and for Jernigan he gets the chance to have a really good season in 2019 and then hit the market next year and potentially earn that bigger payday. So I think that's kind of what makes sense for both sides. I don't think it makes sense for journey in to go into free agency this year. So I I think, and I hope that both sides can kind of agree to some kind of 
fair one-year deal here. The next guy I want to talk about is really interesting, BLG. Jason Peters, who obviously is an icon with this franchise. He's really tight with Jeffrey Lurie. He is a mentor to all the guys on that offensive line. When Jason Peters is playing well, that offensive line really hums. Um, and he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, most likely, when he retires. But uh, the, the Eagles would save $10.5 million if they cut him, uh, which would count for $2.7 million of dead money. And he started breaking down last year. He, he rarely finished a game. He rarely made, made it through a whole game. But yet he did suit up for each and every game. And when he was out there, he was effective, but not the Jason Peters that we used to know. I mean, we're, we're clearly dealing with a guy, a legend, who is on his last legs here. Is this another situation where you might be able to get him to restructure his contract and get him down to a smaller number? I guess this is how I look at it, John. I'll ask you a question. Do you want Halapula Vadi Vaitai or a rookie being the guy protecting Carson Wentz's blind side? That's the question. The answer is no. Yeah. The answer oh, that's, is no. That's, that's the question. <laughs> but that's really yeah. – that's I think that's like what you're looking at if you don't bring Jason Peters back. I know – like in in an ideal world, you would like to move on from him and get younger. Yes, in an ideal world, you would like to be able to count on a first round rookie or a rookie offensive tackle to step in there and have that kind of impact. Yes, that would be ideal, but I just don't think you can necessarily count on that. And I know this offensive tackle class is supposed to be pretty good, so maybe there's some hope that can happen. But I just don't know. I just think that's a lot to ask for to just, you know, put a rookie in there and ask him to suddenly, you know, be Carson Wentz's blindside protector. I, I just don't love that. Even if it's a really talented player, I just I'm not crazy about that. And mm-hmm. I know for all the issues, you know, that Jason Peters has, and there are some, and Benjamin Solak pointed that out in his excellent post about Jason Peters and review on his 2018 season on bleedinggreennation.com. And I get that. I'm not saying Peters is perfect, but I still trust him, you know, more than the alternatives. And that's what it comes down to, to me. And there's no way he gets cut. I just, I cannot see that. Uh, the, the If anything, the Eagles would have to somehow talk him. Jeffrey Lurie, his best friend, would have to talk him <laughs> into retiring somehow. Like that's the only way I think Jason Peters isn't back in 2019. But I don't think Jason Peters wants to retire. He said he's year to year, and he says that every year. But just think about the money we're talking about here, you know, like that $10.5 million salary. I don't think Jason Peters wants to pass up on that. I think he wants to make that money, yeah. and he should. You know, who, who wouldn't want to make you know, $10.5 million in 2019? Right. So I, I do think he'll be back. <laughs> well, no, and, and sure, I and... – I think the Eagles will invest an early round pick on an offensive tackle. It might even be their first round pick if they yeah, if the they should. if they I mean yeah, it depends how the board falls for them obviously because the the draft is strong at defensive tackle along the defensive line, but offensive tackle is a need and uh, you know, if you have a guy who can kind of you can slot in behind Peters and and Vitae for one year and he can get the reps and he can learn behind a legend uh, for a season and then maybe you can move him into the starting lineup in 2020. I think that's ideal. Frankly, yeah, you, you need Jason Peters on hand to to, to be that guy because Vitae is okay to, to make a spot start, but you don't want Vitae making three, four, five starts in a row. He had a great 16, postseason yeah. run last year let alone 16. And listen, Vitae gets credit for having a good postseason run in 2017. He did a good job filling in for Jason Peters that season, but we've seen what Vitae is. He's a backup. He's a fill-in guy. You you can you can deal with it for a few games here and there, but um, I agree with you. I think uh, they got to see if they can figure out a way to get Jason Peters to get that number down because they have to keep him next year. And if they can't, then they just got to pay him the $10.5 million. Um, let's look at Chris Long. Cut or traded or retired would save him would save the team five point three million dollars in cap space, only three hundred grand in dead money. Um, I know Long is a he's a team leader. Obviously, Walter Payton, Man of the Year award winner. Uh, he had a quiet first half, BLG, but he really seemed to come on in the second half and played pretty well. He was one of their more effective defensive linemen late in the season and in the postseason. I would imagine he he says he still wants to play. He'll probably be back, right? I would hope so. I think the biggest thing with him is he wants to be sure he has the right amount of playing time in Philly. Um, he's pretty much said on some of his off-season appearances here, he was on part of my take, he was on WIP, 
he said that like he almost wants to see what the Eagles do at defensive end on his end because he doesn't want to come back and just be a locker room guy. I think that's pretty much what he said. He wants to play. And honestly, that's pretty fair of him to say because he was still an effective player last season. He ranked 35th out of 109 edge rushers in PFF's pressure rate. So statistically, still getting it done. I mean, just think about some of the impact plays he made last season. Like he's still able to, he had, a, he had that huge strip sack in week 16 to help beat the Texans. I still think he is a viable rotation piece and you're going to need that, especially, you know, like we don't know exactly what's going to happen at defensive end. Like if you're losing Brandon Graham, like you don't also want to be losing Chris Long. I think th- that's like, those are two very big veteran losses right there. Um, so I would hope the Eagles can keep him around as silly as this sounds. Part of it is because I just think it's cool that he won Walter Payton man of the year. And I, I want to see that little icon, you know, in his Jersey, you know how the, like the NFL does that now, like Drew Brees has it on his, the, the little, um, uh, Walter Payton man of the year award. Like the icon is on their Jersey. Now it's kind of, I don't know. I just want to see that. I want to see Chris Long back. He's obviously such a fun, loving guy to have in the locker room, a good presence, just a good dude, honestly, you know, obviously winning Walter mm-hmm. Payton Man of the Year and all the stuff he does. So really hope he's back um, this for 2019. And I know he just turned or he actually turns 34 in March. So he's getting up there. But to me, it seems like he still has plenty of gas in the tank. And I hope he can be back. A couple other guys to mention here real quick. Uh, Steven Wisniewski cut or traded $3 million saved to the cap. Seven, a little over $700,000 in dead money uh, if he is cut or traded. I know, th- I know Jason Kelsey is a little bit... Uh, oh, did we talk about Jason Kelsey? We didn't talk about Kelsey. We, we skipped right over him. Uh, let's well, talk about Kelsey before him. we get... <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's right. So, I mean, he's $6.5 saved if he's cut or traded or retired. But, retired, um, yeah. again, they, they they could rework that, rework that deal because it doesn't sound like he's retiring, right? I don't know. I think... Here's where I think where some of that comes from. Um, Jason Kelsey has no more guaranteed money in this contract for, I think, this year and next year. So, I almost feel like it's at a point where he can leverage his retirement into giving like, he can be like, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about retiring and the team will have to be like, okay, you know, here's some more guaranteed money. That's kind of what the Eagles did last yeah. year. Cause remember Chris Long has, was kind of considering retirement and the Eagles had to kind of readjust his deal to kind of convince him not to. I think that's kind of where the Eagles might be at with that one. Okay. Yeah. And um, they got, I mean, if Kelsey, they got to figure out a way. I and mean, Kelsey's still one of the most effective centers in football. So I oh, yeah. really hope he can come back. But obviously with Wisniewski, he would probably be Kelsey's replacement uh, if mm. Kelsey decided to retire. And, you know, I think Wiz is a pretty valuable guy because he can do a few different things on the offensive line. I, I like Wiz and $3 million isn't all that much. He, he probably yeah. just sticks at that number, right? Yeah, um, and I, one thing I forgot to mention is that, you know, Brandon Brooks, too. We, we don't know his status, and if, if Brandon Brooks has to miss right. time early in the 2019 season, you know, Wiz, Wiz is probably starting at right guard in his place for a little bit until Brooks can potentially return. I think the, the Wiz thing isn't likely to me. I just mentioned it because it is, it's a significant amount of money. You can save $3 million. Like, it's not it's uh, not too much to keep him. Like, it's not like a number you have to move off of. But if you can, like, it would be in an, a perfect world, it would be nice if you could because, you know, the Eagles clearly just see him as a backup. Uh, I, I think the thing to consider is if Wiz kind of tries to force his way out because we saw it last year. He said he didn't feel like he got benched for performance reasons. And we all know, know he's kind of just like a straightforward guy like that. And he's honest. And I believe this is a contract year for him. So I don't think he wants to be sitting the bench in a contract year. We kind of, when he, like, when Wisniewski first signed with the team back in, what was it, 2016, he was, like, very candid about how, like, yeah, I part of the reason why I'm happy I signed here is it was a one-year deal, and I can test free agency next year. Like, he, he signed the deal, and he was already talking about looking forward to potentially getting paid in the right. next offseason. So, I think he's just that kind of guy, and just looking at that mindset, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of tries to force his way out. Now, that doesn't mean the Eagles have to bow down to that and the Eagles can kind of play hardball and just be like, nope, tough. Like, we're not going to trade you and you have to play here. So I'm just saying that could be kind of a little bit of a situation to watch. Last guy to talk about, and there's no way he's not going to be on the team next year, Michael Bennett, who really was their best defensive lineman last year. Uh, if he's cut or traded or if he retires, he would save $7.2 million off the cap with no dead money. Um, it should be a really easy decision if he sucked last year, but unfortunately, <laughs> yes. I guess he he was really quite good. And um, what an amazing trade Roseman made 
uh, during the uh, the previous offseason to to get him. And, you know, when you make a deal like that, I don't think Roseman's going to be so anxious to then get rid of him. So uh, my guess is if Bennett stays, they may try to, re- try to rework his deal as well. But now we're talking about reworking a lot of different deals. How many yep. different deals can you rework in one offseason? Infinite. <laughs> as many as you want I to. Guess- I mean, and when, yeah. when you're Howie Roseman, you find a way to somehow do that. I mean, that's what he's done, honestly, in the, the past couple off seasons. For as many moves as they've made, you know, additions and subtractions and whatever, they've restructured a lot of deals. They've gotten guys to take pay cuts. They've gotten guys to restructure their contracts, as we've seen with Rodney McLeod. They have a lot of work to do in that department. That's part of how Howie Roseman makes it all work. He has to, you know, go through these contracts and find ways to kind of move money around. All right, when we come back, we're going to look at uh, another turkey day with Eagles football. Is that a good thing or a bad thing or not a real, not anything at all? And we'll give you our final thoughts coming up here on BGN Radio right after this. And we're back with BGN Radio. And um, just to finish up here, BLG reports this week were that the Eagles will likely or could be playing on Thanksgiving once again this year. Uh, They could be looking at a Thanksgiving evening game. Uh, Right now, the two early holiday games we're seeing could include the Bears versus the Lions and then a Dolphins-Cowboys game. Ugh, Dolphins-Cowboys. That just sounds awful. Bears-Lions is not a whole lot better. Cowboys a free win on Thanksgiving. Yeah, right. I mean, exactly. Um, But uh, Michael Rand of the Minneapolis Star Tribune reported that uh, it, it looks as though the Eagles could be heading to Minneapolis to take on the Vikings our old friends uh, on as as the late game on Thanksgiving night. So the Eagles on Thanksgiving, BLG. What are your thoughts on on the Eagles playing on on Thanksgiving Day or or Thanksgiving night? I'm not so sure. I'm wild about it. Well, I think about the last time they played on Thanksgiving, and it did not go so well for them as they it got did not. Just devastated um, by or demolished by. Oh my gosh, that was the Calvin Johnson the game. Lions. He was just like torching yeah. Eric Rowe over and over. It was. It was very bad. I remember, you know, after that game and just being so depressed that evening because that was kind of pretty much the end of the Chip Kelly era. Like it kind of ended right there. They just they'd gotten killed by the Bucks yeah. the yeah. couple days before that on you know Thursday yep. that Thanksgiving, and at that point it was pretty clear like this you know this wasn't tur- getting turned around. Like this was kind of the end there. And you really depressing. You were so de- you were so depressed. You only had three Thanksgiving dinners that well. Day. You know, you, you see that <laughs> I went out to Wawa that night, like late that night. And I just, it was, there's a lot of emotional eating going on. I just ordered like the, <laughs> I pretty much had one of everything from Wawa, the entire store. And uh, yeah, so that was, that's what I think of when I think of the Eagles <laughs> playing on Thanksgiving. Although the year before they did beat the Cowboys and that was a lot of fun. I did, I did yeah. very much enjoy that one. So uh, I don't know. It's still too early, obviously, to say if this is actually going to happen. Cause there was that speculation last year that the Eagles were going to have the home opener against the Vikings, and that did not turn out to be true. So it's just kind of, you know, it's not finalized right now, and and the NFL schedule doesn't even come out until mid-April officially. So we still have probably two months to find out if this is true or not. But assuming it is, I mean, I kind of like it. Um, Not crazy about working on Thanksgiving, although no one really cares about that, so that's not a real factor anyone will be considering (laughs) other than me. But um, I think it could be fun. I mean, we all know Kirk Cousins just loves to show up big in primetime games. So you know you're going to get a great effort out of him in that one. Um, (laughs) I just think it would be a great way, though, seriously, for the Eagles to add to that list of moments of them just embarrassing the Vikings, um, Mm -hmm. which they've pretty much been doing since the Sam Bradford trade. You know, you look down the list and you look at that trade, you look at um, just obviously beating them in the NFC Championship game and then winning the Super Bowl in their own stadium. And by the way, that's what this game would be. It would be the Eagles' first game back at U.S. Bank Stadium since they won the Super Bowl. So that would be kind of fun too. Yeah, I don't know. I think it'd be a fun matchup. I I definitely feel like, you know, we should get that game probably in a primetime game, especially because, you know, the Eagles have the big win in 2017. Then the Vikings come back and win and almost like, it, it looks so meaningless now. Like, did the Vikings really get their revenge in that game? After you look right. back at how <laughs> it really how just not mean anything. Ended. Yeah, and they choked <laughs> in week seventeen. So, I would like to see that matchup. Yeah, I would too. And I, I, the more I think about it, I always like the prime time games because it they generally happen after my kids have gone to bed, and I can actually sit down and watch a game uninterrupted, which is 
not something I get to do on Sunday afternoons most of the time. I'm kind of, you know, peeking at the game in between running around and uh, cleaning up after them and that are watching the game afterwards on uh, on the NFL Game Pass. And when I can finally sit down to myself and, you know, have an hour and a half to, to watch the game on the replay. But uh, yeah, I, I'm all I'm all in favor of the nationally televised uh, nighttime games, because usually that's the only time I can sit on my couch with a beer or two and just actually watch a football game unencumbered. So I'm, I'm all for it, absolutely. And and most of the family will be out of the house by that point anyway. Uh, dinner will be done if it's the late game. So that's just, it's win-win all the round for me, BLG. Um, of course, it'll be, it'll, we'll have to see what the schedule looks like when it comes out in April because you don't know what, you know, the opponent is the week beforehand. It'll be on a short week. Will they have a tougher opponent the week after that they'll have more time to prepare for? So it could be good or bad depending on who they're playing before or after that game also. That's some some other stuff to take into account. Um all right, as we wrap up, episode number 37 here at BLG. Any final thoughts from you tonight? Not a ton, honestly. Again, slow time of year. Um, just stay tuned to Bleeding Green Nation. We'll, have, we'll be ramping up, you know, as free agency really begins in about a month on March 13th. The quote-unquote legal tampering period, which is a dumb name, will begin a couple days earlier, I believe, on March 11th. So we'll start to see some more buzz about all that. We have the Combine, obviously, coming up at the end of this month. You know, Kisten Solak, I'm sure we'll be breaking that down. We might have some fun BGN news from the Combine. We'll see. Still things in, mm. in, in flux there. So we'll kind of tease that and wait for more on that. And, uh, yeah, so just, you know, keep it tuned here to Bleeding Green Nation. Keep doing a good job of leaving those reviews and ratings on iTunes. We really appreciate it. And, uh, hey, John, why don't we uh, finally sign Bryce Harper? That would be that'd be pretty good. From your lips to God's ears, man, I'm doing everything I can. I'm tweeting at him all day long with important information, important statistics that he needs to know about this city and the team and the franchise. God, it's got to end soon, but it doesn't sound like it's gonna. So I hope you're, I hope you're right, man. Let's let's get this done. And in the meantime, um, we'll continue checking out what's going on here on uh, in in Eagles in the Eagles world. And uh, make sure to check out bleedinggreennation.com each and every day uh, for the latest information, all the great content, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Like Brandon said, Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcast, uh, make sure that you do all that good stuff. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. That doesn't make sense.